Carol Danvers, prodigal child of the Milky Way. Nick Fury. My favorite one-eyed man of intrigue. How goes it out there? Uh, you know, cold, no air, space. Isn't space supposed to be exciting, like the final frontier? Or maybe that's just a metaphor for something else. Let's find out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and along with my wife, Kimberly, we're your hosts and we're glad you can join us. And as you heard from the trailer, we're going to be reviewing The Marvels, which came out in 2023. Yes, this film was released on November 10th in theaters and we saw it in 3D 4DX. So we were rocking and rolling all over the place, quite literally. That aside, our standard spoiler alert is in effect here as we will be talking about specific plot points and themes. So if you haven't seen the Marvels yet, you will be spoiled. All right. So we're doing a little something different here where we discuss something noteworthy um, that happens in the industry. And the biggest one is that the SAG after strike ended on November 9th, 2023. Yay! Sorry, I had to put that in there. No, that it's it was a it was a big deal. It's a very big deal. Unfortunately, it happened the day before the release of the Marvels, which wasn't good for the movie, but we'll get to that a little bit later. For now, we can discuss the facts about the movie. Yeah, and um, you know, there's been several fan comments that have really liked the movie. Mm-hmm. Again, this is going to be part of the conversation, but just so we know some of the facts going in, their budget is $220 million. The opening weekend numbers were domestic of $47 million, international of $63 million, so worldwide was only $110.3 million. Yeah, it's all estimated, right? Yeah, estimated. It's, all, it's all estimated and rounding numbers because once you get into the, that type of zero digits, it's like whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. There was no real marketing due to the strike. I mean, I did see pop-ups in theaters and you would see like a random trailer, but there were no premieres. There were no late night shows. The cast didn't go out and do anything. And other movies like Dune 2 pushed their film back because in my opinion, films like this do need cast promotion to keep it in the forefront of people's minds. Mm-hmm. So that could have been a reason for the lower than average opening, not to mention some people have commented on the, the threads post, like I said, that they were even unaware that the film was even out. Yeah. So this is a huge drop the ball on Disney marketing, in my opinion. Yeah. And even with the Marvels being pushed back, right, it still didn't help. No. So. And to be honest, this is another issue where, according to Rotten Tomatoes at the time of this recording, critics have given it 62%, but the audience score is 84%. Right. So we're going to be bringing this up later. (laughs) It's a very important point. To put a pin in it. To put a pin in, yeah. Just to that effect, uh, Iman Vellani, who plays Ms. Marvel, actually has been doing interviews to promote the film since the strike ended. Yeah, so it was and, uh, Brie Larson. Yeah. And there was actually one Forbes article in particular that I wanted to highlight because she had quite an answer about the Marvel's disappointing box office numbers. So we'll share that in the link section of our site. It's a, it's a very short article, but I think a very insightful one. Yes. Now on to the synopsis. Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, has reclaimed her identity from the tyrannical Kree and taken revenge on the supreme intelligence. But unintended consequences see Carol shouldering the burden of a destabilized universe. When her duties send her to an anomalous wormhole linked to a Kree revolutionary, her powers become entangled with that of Jersey City superfan Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, and Carol's estranged niece, now Saber astronaut Captain Monica Rambeau. Together, this unlikely trio must team up and learn to work in concert to save the universe as the Marvels. Yeah, so we find out why Captain Marvel was nicknamed the Annihilator. 
right? She essentially destroyed the Cree AI, which is the, their supreme intelligence. And it led to a civil war in the planet Hala, which is where the Cree lived. And so it left the planet on the verge of extinction. The, the, the big bad named Darben then goes on a quest to take resources from other planets in a desperate attempt to revive Hala. She does this by finding the matching bangle that Miss um, Marvel has. And this is the impetus for Captain Marvel, Captain Rambeau, and Miss Marvel's powers becoming entangled, right? So Darben then thinks that having both bangles will allow her to restart Hala's son. And when she finally gets both bangles, it proves too strong and disintegrates her right before our eyes. And it causes a rift or a tear in the space-time continuum. And so Captain Rambeau closes that rift, but is trapped on, in a parallel universe while Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel move back to Louisiana to take care of Maria Rambeau's place, which was Monica Rambeau's mom. And they are holding on to the slim hope that Monica will actually return. As always, let's start with the good of this film. Okay, so I loved, 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 loved the chemistry between Brie Larson, Teona Paris, and Iman Vellani. I think you were the one who actually said it in the theater. They carried the film. Yeah, I mean, they had to, obviously, because they are the three leads, but they really, you could have three great actresses and you could have a film as thin <laughs> as this one <laughs> okay, and not have a good outcome. But their chemistry, the way they played off each other, Iman Vellani, the way she, to me, is the linchpin here. Mm -hmm. It really, it was fun. Yes, it was. Watching them on screen together is fun. And I think that was the point of the film, right? We're going to get into it later. But, you know, given the script that they had, they were really very engaging, especially Villani. I actually, you know, was, <laughs> I was so like drawn to her because I totally related to the fact that she was fangirling all over Captain Marvel because I would be the same. And what's funny is I felt very much like Monica, like, really, really, like, especially, in, and we'll get into a, a line she says during the uh, dance sequence later. Um, but, you know, sometimes I look at you and I'm like, really? Yeah, uh, well, yes. It was adorable. It was. She really does play the character perfectly. I found all of them to bring across humanity within mm -hmm. their superpowers. Because let's be honest, the one problem Marvel does have is these overpowered characters. Like Captain Marvel. Who can bring Captain Marvel down? Like really and truly. Mm -hmm. I mean, she could have taken out Thanos. You know, things like that. They do have this problem. And what separates them for me is humanity. Mm -hmm. And these three actresses make the characters so relatable that I think anybody could watch this and go, oh, yeah, I, I can totally see that and have fun and laugh. And that's a testament to who you've actually cast in these roles. Right. Absolutely. And segueing into it, the, the diversity in this cast is incredible, I think. Yeah. It's, it, there's really a lot of representation here. And it actually does highlight very strong female characters, which, you know, you and I absolutely love. And I have to, I have to mention here that there's also diversity in the cats, the flurkin cats. There's so many different types of cats. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I'm just curious when Goose got pregnant. I mean, how do flurkins get pregnant? Well, he's an alien, or she is an alien cat. I, we don't know. I mean, it is, is an it alien a she, cat. Is it a, we, don't, we don't know if, if they can self-reproduce. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm curious. I would love to know more about ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I know. Really random. But there you yeah. go. Um, well, it segues really nicely into this next point, right? Mm-hmm. That the comedy was actually, I thought, hilarious in this. Oh, I found it landed perfectly mm-hmm. well. Again, we were in 3D 40X. So we had stuff being thrown at our faces and we had water being sprayed at us. We were rocking and, and rolling. the chairs bounce all over the place. Mm-hmm. So when you're laughing, you have to hold on to the chair <laughs> because you don't know if you're going to go flying out of the chair, which is fun. I mean, kudos to Regal for coming up with it. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. When they were literally hurting cats, I said, oh my gosh, they're hurting cats. And, yes. And then they just said that yes. comment and I just and, died laughing. And Brie Larson turning around, smirking, giggling and running after kitties. It was just, <laughs> it's, and the, the singing planet. Yeah. I wish there was more of that. There's just a lot of great comedy moments that I think kept this one going and was a great thread throughout because it, it showed another side to all three characters. And again, that's where the chemistry and everything else comes in. Right. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about that too. Um, But considering Flurkins are all CGI, mm. I found that I felt the CGI here didn't feel as rushed or as fake in any capacity. So I'm going to disagree with you on that. I know, I'm I'm putting a pin in that for Um, my wife. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it again. Okay. Um, I think part of the thing also here that got kind of lost in all of this talk is that Nia DaCosta, the director of the Marvels, this movie at um, 110 million, right, Mm -hmm. is the biggest debut for a black female director. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Yes. And again, it got lost. It's gotten lost in the fact that everyone thinks it's a flop. So we'll also link the article in our links page about this. you know, we have to highlight that, that that is a very, very big accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the themes, because there's also, even though it was a fun movie, there are a lot of themes that were going, that were happening throughout. Yeah, but isn't that like the the best films always have great underlying themes oh, that are, are hidden by laughter and everything? Yeah. Yes. So I would say my first theme that I found was guilt. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, you know, Carol could go home to Earth because of her decision to, decision to destroy the supreme intelligence and, the, you know, how it caused Hala's almost demise and she's been trying to make up for it ever since instead of like going home and talking to her family maybe asking help she opted to exile herself to space where she's cold right alone so she's constantly putting herself through torture because she feels she deserves it right and that was the point that i made in the in the opening right mm-hmm. you know was this a metaphor for something else and i think that that is true and the the thing that that I thought was really, really great in this film is that we saw that Carol Danvers, to your point earlier, is human, mm-hmm. right? That she does feel these different things, even though she could take Thanos out. She she is still looking for family. She is heartbroken and guilt-ridden that she might have destroyed a whole planet, Yeah, right? And then her laughing with glee when she was hurting cats. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a great, showcase of the whole person that Captain Marvel is. And that also, to me, leads into what I noticed as the second theme, which was family. Mm. Because, you know, Carol and Monica are rebuilding theirs. And Monica literally, when Carol admits to what she's done, mm-hmm. Monica looks at her and goes, that's not how family works. Right. It was a, a very poignant line in a very poignant moment because we do feel immense guilt for certain things we've done wrong. Right. But your family is there to love you and support you. And it doesn't have to be biological family because obviously monica is not her true blood niece correct 
its chosen family and it's about supporting one another. And then, you know, if you go to the other side, uh, side, Kamala is finding her way with her new powers and responsibility, but it also comes with responsibility to her family and her culture. And it's very interesting because you see her parents like forbidding her to travel to another planet. And, you know, they're like, but, you you know, we forbid you to do this because you're going to be in danger and we have mm-hmm. to protect you. And but then Kamala is also going, but I, I have to because our powers are intermingled and I have to save people. This is what I'm born to do. Right. And there's a balance that they need to strike. Her coming and, of age. Yeah. And they're all trying to find their footing around all of these new changes going on around them. It's nice to see them all come together as a team. Right. The the one thing that I want to bring up also, the reason why I think Captain Marvel couldn't reach out was because she couldn't remember a lot of her memories, right? They were erased by the Kree. So she didn't know who she was and she didn't know that she could reach out. Yeah. But right? in the same token, in the first movie... She leaves literally and Monica shoves it back in her face because she's still so hurt. She said you'd be back in like a flash. Yes. So she had enough current memories to remind her that Maria and Monica were there for her. Yes. There's another thing in here that we're forgetting and I have to bring it up. At a certain point, Thanos did the snap and Monica disappeared and Maria was suffering. And we do see in the film Maria dying yeah. from cancer. So it could be, we don't know exactly when everything happened in the timeline. For all we know, she did come back. She did try to get help, but Maria and Monica were not there. Right. So we're unsure of that tidbit of information. Yeah. So it highlights the fact that she doesn't want to get hurt again, right? Again, another very, very human response. Yeah, it highlights the confusion, the fear, the mm-hmm. loss, the guilt you know, all of that weighs on you. But I also think the ending brings it all kind of full circle Mm -hmm. because the ending shows Kamala's family moving into the home that Monica shared with her mom, Maria, that I believe Carol also lived in. See, I don't know if she lived in. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But but one could assume, it could be assumed that they all lived together because she was helping raise Lieutenant Trouble. Yeah. Um, But Carol's there. It appears they all moved in together. Mm -hmm. And now she has a new family that she's going to protect a new lieutenant trouble. And she even sits in the plane and says, you know, you sit in the driver's seat, which is a parallel to what she did with Monica. And she doesn't have the keys Mm -hmm. because it's Monica's plane and she's just going to take care of it until Monica comes back. Yeah. Oh, oh. But it's again, family always ebbs and flows. Mm. Family can change and adapt. It is what you make of it. And it is who you make it with. Who you choose to have in. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful theme throughout this. Absolutely. And I think what makes that beautiful is the fact that, you know, Kamala, she is coming of age. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the the loss of her innocence. So you're saying loss is another theme. Loss is another theme because, you know, she, we first meet her, she is fangirling over, you know, Captain Marvel. She fangirls over Nick Fury. You know, she's like, oh my God, am I part of the Marvels? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's... Is a, this a test? It's an exciting time for her until she realizes, you know, this is not fun and game. That in order to fulfill her destiny of being a superhero, she has to make the hard choices, just like Captain Marvel did, just like Monica Rambeau did when she went to the other side to close the rift. And she does make the hard decision because there's a great parallel where... They're on the Skrull planet and they're trying to save everybody. And Ms. Marvel is holding up rocks and trying to get people out. And it was either Monica or Carol who grab her and pull her back into the ship because they're like, you save who you can save. Yeah. And then when they're it was at... It Captain Marvel. It was Captain Marvel. And yeah. then at, 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 what's the planet's name? 
Aladna, I think. Aladna. We'll go with Aladna. That sounds good. So the water planet, it's where Captain Marvel's prince is. (laughs) So on that planet, Captain Marvel's like, they're all alone. We have to stay and fight. And Ms. Marvel's the one who puts them into hyperspace. Right. It's that parallel where she realizes she could have just condemned the planet to die, but she had to do what she needed to do to save the universe. You know, I think it was Spock who said the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Right. It is that heart-wrenching decision. Yeah. Right. Especially since this is a teenager mm-hmm. do it, making these decisions. So it's, it's and really it's gonna, rough. And it's going to lead to her guilt. And yes. she's going to have to rationalize that as well. And that's where her family comes in to support her through it. But oh. I also think, you know, if we're if we're going by loss, you know, Monica lost her mom to cancer and they have these scroll devices that make you relive your memories and they're reliving a lot of Carol's memories and they're trying to figure out because somebody saw the coordinates mm-hmm. of where everything was. And so they're trying to relive it. And Kamala all of a sudden, did. Kamala did. And all yeah. of a sudden they're reliving memories of Maria dying yep. and how Carol was there for her mother. Yeah, that Maria didn't realize. Yeah, Maria had no knowledge of it. Maria didn't know that Carol was there. Maria thought that uh, Maria Monica wasn't sure that Carol was there, and Monica thought she abandoned them. Yeah, and instead, Carol was there. The blip happened. Monica wasn't there, so that's a loss. And when she wakes up in the after credits scene, she wakes up to not only see her mother. Because in all of the this clips we've seen, it appears that whoever, whether Carol or Maria, they raced to the jet mm-hmm. to take Marvell into the ship where they ended up fight being fight, uh, mm-hmm. shot down by the Kree and then they absorbed the power. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That's the story of the first one. Whoever won the race to the jet is the one who got the power. So in certain universes, Maria beat Carol. Mm-hmm. And so Monica wakes up in a new universe where there is her... As a superhero, Binary. Yeah. But she's calling her mom and and Binary's looking at her like, who are you? Yeah. So not only does she find her mother again, but she's lost her mother. She found Aunt Carol, made amends, lost Aunt Carol, lost Kamala, lost Nick Fury, lost the entire department she's worked for. So she's lost everything. Yeah. She sacrificed herself for the greater good. Yeah. Ugh. You know, Carol lost Maria. Carol lost Monica. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I... I cry at, at Disney movies. So I know you I do. Get, I get teary-eyed talking about this this stuff. So, so we're just going to go right into the bad because we've been talking a lot about goods and themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the bad, and I know a lot of people argue about it, that it's unnecessary to consider this a bad, but I do think for the average viewer it is. Needing to see WandaVision for Monica Rambeau's story, Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye to follow the film. Because yeah. obviously Ms. Marvel, to understand Ms. Marvel's storyline and... and um, the her origin story yeah you hawkeye for kate bishop who is in an after credit scene yeah so i actually remember you telling me we have to watch miss marvel in order to understand the marvels i'm mm-hmm. like why actually it was good that you you said that we should do that because otherwise i would have been very very lost in this film but also if you think about how lucky are we that we have disney plus that we could do that a lot yes. of people don't have it yes so i think and i don't know if that was a chapek thing to start intertwining series with movies so intricately i believe that that was actually if if i can find the article i'll include it in the links page but i think that that was actually one of the reasons because chapek wanted to build up disney plus you're telling me i have to put in a maximum of 30 hours of television time to watch a one hour and 30 minute movie yeah and i don't have that kind of time and you actually had to tell me who in the 
ending credit scene who that was because I never saw Hawkeye. I was totally, totally lost. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what, what was the point of that, right? Yeah. So for me, in that ending credit scene where, you know, I love seeing, you know, what comes next and having an idea of mm-hmm. what comes next, I was totally lost, which kind of put a damper on it, at yeah. least for me. It sort of did had I not known who was what. As far as I'm concerned, this is a Disney problem. This wasn't a Marvel's problem. Mm-hmm. This was a Chapek problem. This should not have happened. Yeah. So what else? The script is quite thin. Mm -hmm. Because the script was so thin, it was even more imperative that the chemistry between the actors was so good, right? So that it carried the film. And had there been maybe a little bit more time, maybe, I don't know, like what you were just saying, a lot less dependence on series, on other things, that maybe this could have been something better. And, and here's my simple thing. The villain was predictable and thin. Mm. The uh, Captain Marvel, I mean, you've got a great thing there. Destroying the supreme intelligence in a civil war that followed that led to near extinction on Hala. Mm-hmm. It's a blip of information. Mm-hmm. Monica and Carol's reunion and processing the trauma of loss. Blip. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, yeah, you did that. You left. Right. You hurt. Bye. Right. You know, and then the singing planet, which was forced editing. There's an article, and if I can find it, they forced it to be trimmed down because they said it was a weak part in the film. But yet the audience oh, is love hysterically yeah. loving it. Yeah. So who is making these decisions, number one? We're going to put a pin in that. And I feel like they created a story to facilitate you watching a streaming service, and they did it to the detriment of amazing characters that were female-run characters. Yeah. And it just literally irritates the living daylights out of me. Yeah, because I felt like in that film, when when we were seeing, you know, the, the memories and the flashbacks of Captain Marvel, I'm like, oh my God, this was Captain Marvel that we, you know, the continuation mm-hmm. of her story that I wanted to see. And I don't know if they were catering to the trolls that had come out in force in the first one, but literally, how can you shove three strong female characters together in one film and not give them their due? They're just due. I guess that that also adds to, you know, the fatigue, because like you were saying, you know, needing to watch 30 hours of a series too much. In, in order to understand, it's just, I'm tired just thinking about that. And that doesn't include all the movies. No, it doesn't. So, so it's just, it's, and again, it's isn't that Chapek who like was rushing things through? Yeah. I don't like what he did. He has left a scar on Marvel so deep. I don't know if they can come out from under it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, and I'm going to bring a little bit of business psychology into it. A lot of people who are in those power positions don't quite remember that organizations are made out of people, right? If you don't treat your people well, mm. you're not going to do well. There's so many different studies from the Harvard Business Review and all other established publications with studies after studies of showing people that you need to treat hardworking people fairly. Yeah, that goes with the strike, too. Yeah. If they had offered a proper contract in advance, we wouldn't have such a weak release schedule right now. We wouldn't have television shows being pushed back so far. We would have had Marvel having proper marketing and proper trailers released with actors supporting and promoting so that people actually knew the damn film was coming out. Right. I'm just going to go into the next bad point, because Mm -hmm. for me, considering all of this, it feels like it's the end of Captain Marvel as we know it. And it's a shame. 
It is. I think Brie Larson was amazing in Captain Marvel as Carol Danvers. I love her as the character. She brought it to life well. She did everything. And this film feels like the middle finger to Brie Larson to kind of kick her out. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame if it's true. It irritates me because you can have Thor having two disastrous movies and still plan on more oh my God. for him. And you can't allow Captain Marvel to have one. Yeah. It's very, it's very sad. They don't know how to treat their female superhero characters. Let's be candid. Yeah. They don't. They don't. And the thing that we also talked about after we we left the movie when we saw it was that the editing and the direction felt a little off. There were there were jumpy sequences, especially with the very harsh cut of the water planet. You know, it felt yeah. like there was so much more there. And so my thing was, because it's no secret, I loved Barbie. Barbie mm-hmm. was, that movie was phenomenal. And the comparison here, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because Greta Gerwig was allowed to explore her creative choices, mm-hmm. right? And the movie was phenomenal. Barbie was phenomenal. I wonder if Nia DaCosta, if she was given the same creative licensing, mm-hmm. if it would have been a different film. Now, I understand that, you know, she wanted to keep it under two hours, but you and I feel like if there was just a little bit more time given to it, maybe it would have fleshed out a lot of the questions that we had and actually allow the film to earn all of those little things that should have happened, like the loss, like the the backstory, all of that. It didn't quite land because there was something missing. Yeah. And again, that's a Disney problem. Yeah. All I'm starting to point out are problems that DC and Disney have that are the exact same. Mm. They don't respect or allow proper stories for their female-driven characters. If you bring up Wonder Woman, I'm going to turn around and go, the only reason Wonder Woman actually came into her powers in the first movie is because she lost Steve. The second whole movie is about Steve taking over someone else's body, and she's in a romantic relationship with someone who is not willing to be there because Steve has taken over his body. Yeah, like... Uh, wrong message sent there. But then you have Barbie and people ripped apart Barbie because, oh, that speech was so in your face about women. But but it it made a billion dollars. It connected to women because it It connected to men. Men were going with their girlfriends because they said there's truth in this. So figure it out, Disney, because you're losing, horribly losing. Yeah, and if we're fangirls of Disney and we're saying this, I it's it's a lot. It's a very big problem. Um, okay, now the final point that I wanted to bring up mm-hmm. uh, in the bad is that I didn't agree with you with the CGI. I think oh, that are there, we doing the? Yes, I think that there there were certain scenes, especially with Captain Marvel, where she was flying around and she was landing, that the CGI was like, uh, okay, that someone missed the ball there. Now, your point about the the cats, yes, they're very cute. They're very close up. But in the far scenes where Captain Marvel is flying around, you could see that the CGI wasn't there. But Mm. compared to She-Hulk, compared to Love and Thunder, the CGI on this is much better. Felt like I was watching Endgame. Yes. So I can see, and you're right, it isn't as good as it could be, but I can't fault... The company behind it, I have to, again, fault Disney and JPEG for pushing. Yep. Okay. I think that's enough of the bad. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. (laughs) So how about let us go into the cute? Okay, go ahead. Let's go into the cute. Okay. Uh, Like I said earlier, Miss Marvel fangirling, 
was so adorable because I that's what I would do. Oh, with the twinsies and the finger guns? Oh, my God. Yes. So going off that when they're on the singing planet and Monica asks uh, Kamala if she's getting fan fiction <laughs> ideas and from the dance sequence. And then Kamala goes, yeah. And Monica goes, how many pages? And Kamala's like, so many. Yeah. And then I looked at you. I'm like, uh, yeah, you. you the writer. You. Yeah, that would be me. I would be coming up. with. And the funny thing is, I'm in my head going, oh, totally could see a lot of fan fiction writers coming up. Right. Um, I was howling in the movie theater when memories started playing and you had cats all over the place. The Flurkins eating people to save them to bring them to the planet so they didn't die. <laughs> yeah, my my mother came with us and she was howling. Oh my god, that was just absolute genius. See, again, funny, funny comedic moments that mm-hmm. fleshed out sides of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Kate Bishop and Ms. Marvel act like Nick, like Ms. Marvel act like Nick Fury in that after credit scene. It was a really nice flashback to me of when Nick Fury enlisted Iron Man for the first time for the Avengers. See, because I didn't know who Kate Bishop was, it was lost on me. But okay, it's so a for, good thing for me. It was it, it feels like the beginning of the soft reboot, which I mm-hmm. keep hearing is happening, mm-hmm. which again is leading to the feeling of Captain Marvel not being there anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, I loved because I did watch X-Men when Beast came on the screen, I'm like, <gasps> Kelsey Grammer. Yes! Yeah. And it was full CGI, not the costume. Oh, was it? Yeah. You couldn't tell, could you? I That's know. why I said the CGI no. looked better. I could not tell. So I So he was a full CGI beast. The inner kid in me who saw the first X-Men in theaters mm. back in the day when dinosaurs walked the earth was like, mm. I squeed. Yes. I have questions. Can we, can we go into questions? Sure. Okay, so I have a question, and I don't know if it was deliberate, mm. but we know Kamala is is a mutant because at the end of her television series, in case anybody doesn't know, you hear the, I think it was the 1990s X-Men theme. See, you pointed that out. I missed that. I missed that, and you pointed it out. I watched the cartoon. So so anyway, we know she's a mutant of some kind, so she can handle both bangles. But did you notice at the end when she's getting off the plane where she's very upset and she's telling Nick Fury that they lost Monica? She's only wearing one bangle. I don't know if that was deliberate or not. Oh, I did not notice that. It might have been a con- continuity issue. That's what I'm saying. If Is it something that maybe she can't wear both because it's so powerful that she doesn't want everybody to know how powerful she is? Or is it literally just someone on a little checkboard forgot to put the second bangle on? Yeah. Who knows? But then again, I didn't notice it. So that's just me. <laughs> All right, so I think that's enough for our discussion. Oh my goodness. Is it? Yes. So now it is time for our Forever Fangirls rating. Drum roll, please. In case you didn't know, we rate the Marvels four stars. Yay! Yay! And I know, after all the bad, why did we give it four stars? Mm. We'll get into that. But first, can it develop legs for success or, you know, flop or not? Mm. I think it can be successful in the long run. It's not going to be as high as the first Captain Marvel film because I think that was early on. And I think that people as a whole are getting kind of like, ugh, of the MCU. Mm. Um, and I think that was riding high on Avengers Infinity War, I believe. It was right before Endgame or it was right after Endgame, but it was, it was hiding, riding that high. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped. But word of mouth here 100% matters. And I think it's going to help the film along. Like we said, the audience score is about 84% at the time of this recording. It proves that the film is connecting with fans. The problem 
And we're going to go back to that scratch, which I have to find the sound effect for. There you go, (laughs) folks. Here's the problem for me. Poor marketing. Poor trailers. Because the trailers were not great. They didn't tease anything. The last trailer, which was released the Monday, I think, before the film even came out, was the best trailer. Mm. So no, I don't think it's a flop. I think it will follow the elemental route where it will make its budget, but it will take time. Mm. I hope that it does find its legs because it is a fun film and has very strong themes of family, sisterhood, finding yourself when you've lost your way. It's not going to make a billion dollars, but it certainly would be a film that I would see again, just like the first Captain Marvel movie, because I think it is that good. And on that note, I'm going to say that it was wonderful to finally see Captain Marvel on our screens. Um, Having seen a lot of Marvel and DC over the years, comments that the Marvels was the worst film of all time kind of blows my mind. It's a silly romp, has comedic moments, serious undertones and themes like all of them do. And uh, I don't know what would have happened if Chapek didn't push Disney+. Plus. He's run Disney into the ground. He's helped and furthered along Marvel fatigue. And I am thankful that that person is no longer in charge of anything to do with Disney. It doesn't all fall on him, but the majority, in my opinion, does. I hope that the Marvel films in the future do not have this problem, but I'm sure they will because we're all marveled out. So on that note, I want to see Brie Larson in the suit again. If not, I'm going to be extremely disappointed and frustrated by the lack of support of female superhero characters. And I couldn't said it better myself. And I wonder, you know, if there is a director's cut out there for this film that changes the complexion of the movie. Similar to Jack Snyder's cut of the Justice League. Not that the Marvels need to be four hours long. Don't get me wrong there. But I think being longer than an hour 45 minutes would have added more depth and development to the characters. Like Kimberly, I hope that we get to see more of the Marvel's characters because I think there's a lot of story left there to tell. And I think it's a good time in the theaters if they have good stories. Yeah. It would be a shame if we don't see them together again. It would be a disservice to your audience because of how good their chemistry is. Absolutely. So that's going to be our show for today, folks. We appreciate you tuning in to our review of the Marvels. If you'd like to reach out to us uh, here at Forever Fangirls Podcast, we do have several ways you can do it. Just go to our website. You can leave us a voicemail. There's a contact form, all of our socials, buttons to subscribe, join our Discord, and to leave a review on the podcast. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, higher, further, faster. No matter where you are in this universe or any other, Family is forever.